It's a pleasure to be back with you this Sunday. This morning we continue in the book of Ruth, Ruth chapter 2. I invite you to turn there in your copies of Scripture. Ruth chapter 2. Last week, we read how Ruth, the Moabitess, clung to Naomi, her mother-in-law, as a close friend and companion, how she returned with her to the land of promise, and in the process, she uh, turned from her old life and her former gods, how she, by faith, entered into uh, this new life with a new people and a new God. Now as we turn to chapter 2, we're told what Ruth and Naomi find in the land of promise. What can they expect to find in the days of the judges when everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes? We might expect that they would find cruelty and injustice, but what they find is beyond anything that they could have hoped for or even imagined. So let's listen carefully, knowing that this is God's word. Ruth chapter 2. There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. So Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him, in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant, who was in charge of the reapers, whose whose young woman is this? So the the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, It is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little in the house. Then Boaz said to Ruth, You will listen, my daughter. Will you not? Do not go to glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. So she fell on her face, bowed down to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? And Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, and how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before. 
the Lord repay your work and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. Then she said, let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. Now Boaz said to her at mealtime, Come here and eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed parched grain to her, and she ate and was satisfied and kept some back. And when she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And let grain from the bundles fall purposely for her. Leave it that she may glean and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening and beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. Then she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. So she brought out and gave to her what she had kept back after she had been satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, "'Where have you gleaned today?' And where did you work? Blessed be the one who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord, who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. And Naomi said to her, This man is a relation of ours, one of our close relatives. Ruth the Moabite said, He also said to me, You shall stay close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women and that people do not meet you in any other field. So she stayed close by the young women of Boaz to glean after the end of barley harvest and wheat harvest, and she dwelt with her mother-in-law. Let's seek the Lord's blessing. O Lord, would you bless the reading and preaching of your word. We pray, Lord, that you would give us open ears to hear. Lord, receptive hearts that are willing to receive your word and, and to do your word. Lord, we thank you for your scriptures. We thank you for revealing yourself to us. We thank you for revealing Christ to us. May we see him in this passage. We ask this in his name. Amen. So what did Ruth and Naomi find in the land of promise? Well, they found a redeemer. And they experienced the first fruits of his gracious loving kindness. They both respond with astonishment and wonder. And there's this anticipation in this passage of more to come. In Moab, there was death and emptiness. But here in the land of promise, after they have turned and returned, they find a Redeemer. A Redeemer who promises them life and fullness. Last week, we were encouraged to return to Christ, whatever the cost, and to cling to Him by faith. And today, we see what we can expect when we do this, when we return to Christ and cling to Him by faith. 
That is, when we repent of our sins and when we believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's more than anything we could have hoped for or asked for or imagined. Because when we come under the wings of Christ for refuge, He lavishes us with His favor and loving kindness. When we come to Christ, we find our own Boaz, a worthy relative who is able and willing to be our guardian, our protector, our provider, our rock, our refuge, our living water, everything we need. This is what we find when we return to Christ. When we turn from sin unto God, we discover that there is a Redeemer in the land. And it is our joyful responsibility today, our joyful duty as we study this beautiful story, to be overcome with amazement at the wonders of our Redeemer's love. Can we do that this morning? Let us behold the wonders of the Redeemer's love. First, look with me at verse 1. Here we meet a worthy relative named Boaz. Before Ruth and Naomi are introduced to this man. The inspired narrator wants to introduce us, the audience, to him. It says there was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth, or a worthy man, of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. Three things we learn about Boaz. First, he's a relative of Elimelech. We don't know how closely they're related. Uh, It might be cousins. But the point here is that Boaz is a possible goel. That's the Hebrew term for a kinsman redeemer. A close relation who's in a position to redeem the destitute. According to John Currid, Old Testament scholar, a goel or kinsman redeemer had four basic duties. First, he was obligated to buy back his kin from bondage or slavery. And so if if the relative were to become a slave, they could go in and they they had a responsibility to buy him back, to redeem them out of slavery. Second, he had a responsibility to buy back land if one of his relatives had been forced to sell that land. That comes into play here. A third, if a female is a widow in the clan and has no male heirs, as is the case here, then an unmarried Goel was to marry her and seek to produce an heir for the dead so that their name might continue, that their lineage might continue. This was that leveret marriage law that we discussed last week. And fourth, he was the one who would act as the avenger of blood on behalf of a murdered kinsman. So, all those things. By telling us that Boaz is a relative of Naomi's husband, of the clan of Elimelech, the author is suggesting that Boaz could be a kinsman redeemer for Naomi and Ruth. Second thing we learn about Boaz is that he is a man of great wealth, or better, a worthy man. This is the language used of the virtuous woman of Proverbs 31. 
Boaz is an honorable man, a rarity in the days of the judges. In a time of instability and immorality, Boaz is a pillar of strength and integrity. In fact, one of the pillars of Solomon's temple would later be named Boaz, which means in him is strength. In him is strength. What a great name. Ruth and Naomi don't know it yet, but there is a man in Bethlehem who is a person with integrity and moral fiber, not to mention the material means to help the poor and widowed. He's a worthy man. And thirdly, as we said, his name is Boaz. In him is strength. Strength for Ruth, strength for Naomi, strength for, uh, from his lineage, strength for all the families of the earth. A future redeemer for sinners will come from his lineage. So here's a worthy relative, a lifeline for Ruth and Naomi. And we know that his name is Boaz. So with this in our minds, we turn to the narrative itself. And we see how this new information is dramatically made known to these poor, needy women. So second, we come to verses 2 and 3, and here we find a happy happenstance. A happy happenstance. It says, So Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. Children, notice that Ruth is honoring her mother-in-law. She's asking permission to go. And it says she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Remember from the last verse of chapter 1 that Ruth and Naomi, they're back in Bethlehem in the house of bread, and it told us that it's at the beginning of the barley harvest. It's an opportune time to be back, especially if you're hungry. But here they are, they're back, and they're in deep poverty. So Ruth asked Naomi for permission to go and glean in the fields behind the reapers. Now, according to the law of Moses in Leviticus 19, uh, one of the ways that the Israelites were supposed to love their neighbor and provide for the poor and the, the destitute, the stranger, was when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest. And you shall not glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather every grape of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. Here's an early form of mercy ministry among the people of God. A type of food pantry, if you will, or diaconal ministry. Uh, there's, there's one church uh, that has a collection box called the Corner of the Field. They have it in the back of their auditorium. The Corner of the Field box. You get the idea. It's, it's used for the church's diaconal offering, the diaconal ministry of the church. Now, Ruth, as a, as a poor, widowed sojourner, 
is the perfect candidate of this diaconal kindness that is required by God in Israel. In another society, this would have probably been seen as poor farming technique. Today, our companies hire loss prevention specialists. You want to make sure you're not, you're not bleeding out any, any money, any revenue. But the Lord God wants His people to reflect His character, to mirror His own generosity and kindness to the stranger, the poor, the orphan, the widow. And Christopher Ash says, Ruth, by going out into the fields to glean, is exercising faith. She's exercising faith that Israel will be what Israel is meant to be. I wonder, can we go to a church today and think, will this church be what they're supposed to be? According to the New Testament, such kind generosity and care ought to characterize us today. In Acts 4, we read that in the early church, there was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. So this is a mark of the people of God. A mark of people who have experienced the grace and kindness of God in Christ. We're to be generous givers because God has first given generously to us. We show mercy because we first were shown mercy. Well, it's with Naomi's blessing that Ruth goes out with the hope that she will glean in the field of one who will show her the favor that is required by the law of God. And we are told that she just so happens to glean in the field of Boaz, the man we met in verse 1. Isn't that lucky? What fortune! What an amazing coincidence, right? Of all the fields, she comes to this one. Now, in reality, the author doesn't believe in chance or in luck or in fortune, and neither should we. Nothing is random in a world where God controls whatsoever comes to pass. Not even the lot that falls into the lap. There's certainly the study of probability and statistics, but even this proves that there's order in the universe which God has made and which God rules by His power and wisdom. Every single random event is part of God's eternal decree. What the author wants us to notice here is the amazing turn of providence. And so with tongue in cheek, he says, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. And it's as if uh, there's the possibility we have forgotten who Boaz was, that he mentions again that this could be the poor woman's redeemer. We're reminded that he was of the family of Elimelech. Now, third, as we come to the main part of this chapter, which is this dialogue between Boaz and his servants and Ruth, uh, we're very much encouraged by what we see and hear. What will these ladies find in the promised land? Well, they find a redeemer. They find a redeemer who shows them wondrous love. They find a strong refuge and unmerited reward under the wings of the Lord God of Israel 
what they find. Boaz, who is the vessel and instrument of God's loving kindness, is one who goes above and beyond what the law requires of him. He lavishes Ruth with grace and favor. Why does he do this? Simply because Ruth has sought refuge under the wings of the Lord God. This part of the chapter, we, we see what happens to those who return to Christ and who re- seek refuge in Him. The Savior says, come. And this is what happens when you respond and come. Behold the wondrous love of your Redeemer. Verse 4. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless you. Do you remember when Abraham's servant went out to look for a wife for Isaac and he he met Rebekah at the well? There in Genesis 24 it says, And behold, Rebekah came out. Someone from Abraham's family. the, The exact kind of person the servant was sent to find. That's the language we see here with Boaz. And look who just so happened to show up. It's another amazing happenstance which we should recognize as the sweet providence of God. And even more, the words of his mouth, the first words we hear Boaz speak, they they alert us to the fact that here's someone different. Here's a godly man. During these days of spiritual decline in Israel, this is rare, a bright star in a dark sky. A man of God. And in verses 5 to 7, Boaz speaks with the the manager of the field, and he's speaking to him about, about this strange new woman who is gleaning in the fields. He wants to know, who is she? What family does she belong to? And he learns that well, here's the Moabitess who returned with Naomi. Clearly, the people of Bethlehem know two things about Ruth. They know her nationality. She's a Moabitess. And they know her loyalty to the destitute widow, her mother-in-law, Naomi. In verse 8, Boaz begins his dialogue with Ruth. He, he addresses her kindly. He's gentle with her despite her lowly status. He treats her graciously. He he encourages her not to glean in another field, but to stay close, literally to cling to his young women. That's that language used in chapter 1 when Ruth clung to Naomi. He's taken steps to protect her from harm, steps to uh, protect her from harassment, He's even granted her access to the precious water that his young men are drawing up from the well. He shows himself to be her guardian, her protector, her provider. He's everything she needs and even more. Look at how she responds in verse 10. So she fell on her face, bowed down to the ground and said to him, Why? Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? That's the the response a Christian should respond to the Lord Jesus Christ's grace to us. Why? Why me? 
She confesses that she has no right to this generous treatment as a foreigner. She's alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, a stranger to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. Why is grace and favor being shown to me? She's amazed by this grace. In front of Boaz, who is the incarnate presence of the loving kindness of God to her, she bows down in humble awe and wonder. Boaz responds in verses 11 and 12 that he's heard of Ruth's kindness and loyalty to Naomi. He's heard of her costly sacrifice. Like Abraham, she's left father and mother and native land. She's come to a people she did not know before. She's walked by faith just like Father Abraham. By doing so, she's proved that she's a true daughter of Abraham, not by flesh, but by faith. So knowing this, Boaz prays this blessing, this benediction. The Lord repay your work and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come for refuge. Now please understand this. This is so important. Please understand that Boaz is not expressing some works righteousness idea of payment. God is not in Ruth's debt. God doesn't owe Ruth anything. Rather, he's expressing the idea that because Ruth has sought refuge under his wings, that God will bless her. You see the difference? John Piper, I think, puts it well. He says, Now we see that this reward is not a kind of justification by works or salvation by merit. We see that the way God works is to bless those who hope in His work for them, not their work for Him. In other words, salvation is by grace through faith, not merit through works. Boaz hopes that the Lord God of Israel will provide her with rest and security because she's come under his wings. Now what he doesn't realize at this point is that he will be the one through whom God brings this very rest and security. And not only to Ruth and not only to Naomi, but to all God's people. This blessing is ultimately fulfilled through the descendant of Boaz, David's greater son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Because remember the big picture here. Ruth gets us to David, and David gets us to Jesus. In the next chapter, Ruth will ask Boaz to spread the wing of his garment over her. It's a proposal that he would marry her as his kinsman redeemer. In this way, Boaz will be the instrument through whom the Lord answers this prayer, this this blessing upon Ruth. In verse 13, Ruth responds to Boaz. She's deeply amazed and full of wonder that he would show her favor. She's comforted by his words and by his actions. She has now hope for her future. But all the while, she remains humble and thankful. You notice there's no sense of entitlement in Ruth. She doesn't just say, oh, thanks for giving me that. Now I'm going to receive it and just go my way. 
No, she's, she's like the Syrophoenician woman in the gospel. The one who says to Jesus, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Ruth says, let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. I don't deserve this. This treatment, I don't deserve it. You've comforted me. You've spoken graciously and kindly to me. I don't deserve any of this. Ruth is already overwhelmed by the grace and kindness of this man. And friends, we ought to be as well. Seeing in Boaz a glimpse of our own Redeemer and Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 14 his generous provision, it, it continues. He invites her to eat with her and his servants. And now, by, by allowing this foreigner to eat with him, Boaz is demonstrating an acceptance of her person. Just as Jesus eats with tax collectors and sinners, Boaz eats with this Moabite woman. It's a gracious acceptance of her person. He's stooping down low to her and satisfying her with good things. You notice some of the good things, some of the food she even has left over, which she'll take back to Naomi. He meets her needs and and more, allowing her to become a blessing to others. As David says in Psalm 23, my cup runs over. Is that not true for you in Christ? Your cup runs over. In verses 15 and 16, he goes even further in providing for and protecting her. He permits her to glean even among the stalks, even even among that which has not yet been cut. He he even commands his servants to, to leave little piles of grain along the path so that she can just help herself. He's making it easy for her. As Jesus says of himself, my yoke is easy, my burden is kind or light. Kindness of Boaz is boundless, going above and beyond what the law requires of him. Truly in this field and in this man, Ruth has found the favor and loving kindness of God. Boaz is the kinsman redeemer she needed, and he's the picture of the kinsman redeemer that we need as guilty sinners, destitute, bankrupt in our sin. Indeed, we have such a redeemer in Jesus. He lavishes us with grace and mercy. He satisfies us with all the good things we need. He protects us. He provides for us. He mercifully stoops down low in order to redeem us, even bearing our sins on the tree. In Christ, we find our refuge and our reward. And so, friends, don't go to other fields to glean, don't look to other religions, don't look to other gods. Cling to the servants of Jesus Christ and experience His redeeming love. In verse 17, we're told that Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. 
you kind of wonder, well, should, couldn't she have just picked up all that they were leaving for her in those little piles and then run home and then took a nap? Right? Maybe that's what you would have done. I think that's probably what I would have done. But I think this is significant. Grace. This favor that she's received. Grace doesn't make her lazy, does it? On the contrary, grace motivates her to work even harder. The same is said of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, But by the grace of God I am what I am, and His grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Any of the other disciples? I worked harder than, than them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. By the grace of Boaz, Ruth worked hard and was able to glean about an ephah of barley. That's somewhere between, we're not, we're not sure the exact measurements here, but between 20 and 50 pounds of barley. Basically, as, as much as she could carry. And Ruth brings this back to Naomi along with the leftovers from lunch. And these are the first fruits, so to speak, of their relationship with Boaz. It's extremely promising, and it's reason for great hope and great excitement. In one day, in one day, they, they go from being destitute to well cared for. Well cared for. They go from empty, having nothing, to having an ephah of barley. And Naomi, she's been at home, wherever home is, maybe, maybe out in a field somewhere, laying, laying around, being bitter, right? Naomi is overwhelmed with what she sees. And you can just imagine her jaw dropping as she sees Ruth coming in in the fading light, carrying an ephah of barley. Christopher Ash says, when you see someone find grace, you want to know where and from whom they found it. Right? There's something different about you. What's different? You found grace from where, from whom? So Naomi asks, where have you gleaned today and where did you work? Blessed be the one who took notice of you. She's clearly excited. And in Ruth's answer, the, the, the author lets the tension rise a bit. He writes, So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is, wait for it, Boaz. Naomi, who at the end of the last chapter said that she went out full and God brought her back empty, who asked that she not be called Naomi anymore, which means pleasant, but rather call me Mara, call me bitter, because God has dealt bitterly with me. This Naomi, now at the end of the second chapter, says, Blessed be he of the Lord, who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. God hasn't forsaken us. Here's tangible proof. She blesses Boaz. She recognizes that in him the Lord her God has shown covenant love, covenant faithfulness to both the living and the dead. 
what we learned in verse 1, finally comes out in the open. Naomi tells Ruth, this man is a relation of ours. One of our close relatives or, or one of our redeemers. Boaz has a covenant obligation to us as Elimelech's family. Christopher Ash says, The covenant God shows his kindness to Naomi by bringing her through Ruth into the beginnings of a relationship with a man who will show her the kindness of the Lord. Boaz will be to her the embodiment of God's steadfast love to her. Naomi begins to grasp that this is a tangible expression of the loving kindness of the covenant Lord toward her. And in some ways, that is yet to be realized. This kindness will also be extended to her dead husband and sons. These men's names have for the moment been erased from the people of God. But here in Boaz is a kind man who will restore them. So this is what Naomi and Ruth discover in the promised land. They discover a redeemer. The same is true for us when we forsake our sins and turn to God in Christ. We find a redeemer in our Lord Jesus. And here in the person of Boaz, we behold the wonders of our redeemer's love. Is it not true that in Christ we find a man of moral integrity and perfect righteousness? Is not Christ impeccable, sinless, spotless, perfectly obedient to his heavenly Father? And is it not true that in Christ we find a man who is related to us by covenant? And having been born of woman, he's, he's flesh of our flesh and bone of our bone. Born under the law so that he might redeem those who are under the law. He's a second Adam. Flesh and blood like me and you. The incarnate God-man. A close relative who is able and qualified to redeem us from our sins. And is it not true that in Christ Jesus we find a man who is both willing and able to stoop low, so low, and protect us and provide for us? He lavishes us with his grace and favor, giving us more than we could ask for or think. He's our protector, our provider, our God, our King. Is our refuge. And today we're invited to take shelter under His wings, to enter His field of grace, not because He needs us, but because we need Him. And you need Him because you are a sinner in need of His grace and love. And so take refuge today in the Lord Jesus Christ, the man from Bethlehem, and be satisfied with him. Be amazed by him, your kinsman redeemer. Let's pray. Merciful God, we thank you for speaking tenderly to us through your word. 
Lord, for including in your holy scriptures this warm, this wonderful account of the person and work of Boaz, and for reminding us of the lavish grace of our own Boaz, our own kinsman redeemer, Jesus Christ. Lord, would you grant us all grace that we might not be mere hearers of this word, but doers also, taking refuge under your wings. Well, give us the grace of your Holy Spirit that we might believe what has been proclaimed to us. May we bring glory and honor to your name in all that we do, even as you conform us more and more by your Holy Spirit into the image of your Son, our Lord Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.